Welcome to the Old Soul, New Soul Astrology Podcast. Thomas Miller along with Robert Glasscock. And you know, we love your questions. You can go to the funastrology.com website. Up at the upper left is an orange button. If you click that, you can anonymously, even without leaving your email, we just want your questions like this. Hello, I'm a big fan of your podcast and have been blessed to be able to work with Robert these past several years. I'm a Scorpio sun and Scorpio rising, wondering if you could talk about the effects of having the same sign ruling our sun and ascendant. Is it a double hit of the sign? What should we know? What should we watch out for? What should we optimize? Thank you so much for bringing your wisdom to the world. Now, Robert, that's a great question, but let's take it a step further because there's a new expression going around astrological circles these days. Hey, what's your big three? And what they mean, of course, is your sun, moon, and ascendant. So let's start with her question, and then we'll roll it up to include the moon as well. Sounds good to me. I love this question. Something that most astrologers even, I think, don't realize the sun is symbolic of your soul. It's the light and the life force, for example. And in relationship to the earth, the sun goes through 12 seasons, which we demark by the signs in the zodiac. So that's your soul. The soul is non-physical. It's pre-physical. Your body is ruled by your rising sign, your first house. So the soul, when it incarnates physically, incarnates into a costume, if you will, a body, a physical body, to live a three-dimensional existence for a time. So the relationship of the sun to the ascendant will tell you how your soul relates to this physical body that you are in. It could be a beneficial aspect. You can love your body. It can be a an aspect of stress, which means you have conflicts about this body. When you have the sun and the ascendant in the same sign, it is very much like she just said, is it a double emphasis? Yes, it is. But what it also indicates is this soul has a very deep, and committed relationship to this physical body and therefore to this physical life and this physical existence. So it does double up, in essence, the meanings of the sign that's involved in those. But what I stress again and again, it shows a fundamental unity between the soul and this body, and therefore this life, because our physical body is the only means we have of connecting with this physical existence through our looks, our movements, our speech, our actions. So it's an important indicator of great potential strength and unity of purpose in this life that no other sun-ascendant combination has so in this case, did she mention Scorpio? Yes. Then she is deeply committed as a soul and a body to every Scorpionic meaning of that archetype, namely this idea of deep 
spiritual. It's an emotional sign. Transformation in life. So that combination takes life very seriously and very intently. It's Scorpio. The idea of a soul being inhabited in an inhabiting a physical body here is a deep kind of commitment to finding out everything that it can about physical and spiritual it's a water sign existence. So the lean everything in life will be intensely experienced, including the very possibility that her birth, anybody's birth, whose sun is especially conjunct the ascendant or close to it, but even sometimes when the sun is just in the first house, if it's Scorpio, it's fascinating how often people born with their sun in Scorpio conjunct or in the first house in Scorpio are born into a family situation where there is a death within a year or so of their births on either side of it, or their own birth may have been critical. They may have had a difficult birth. They may have nearly died at birth. The mother may have nearly died giving birth, for example. Or they can be born at a time in their family life where the parents were undergoing a crisis of some major significance, such as a financial crisis, or born during wartime, or born during a depression, so that the actual birth of the son and descendant in Scorpio comes into this life with an unconscious realization, hey, this is life or death this existence. So they will tend to have extreme feelings and reactions to everything in their lives because they were born in a situation where they or maybe the mother or someone close could die. So they're born with this awareness of the finite nature of existence, which gives everything great importance in their lives, unlike a lot of people who are not born with that awareness. They are. So they have great potential for power, the power to transform themselves, to heal themselves of whatever problems, and often there will be some really significant problems and challenges that they do face, often starting early in life. But they overcome it. It's the most resourceful sign in the zodiac. This is why the symbol for it is the phoenix rising from the ashes. It's almost as if no matter what life throws at them, they can conquer it. And they learn that about themselves so that their power is actually an emotional and spiritual power. Sometimes it will translate, especially in men, to physical power, and very often male or females will have a certain natural athleticism or physical strength about them. But they all have incredible strength of will because their soul and their physicality are united in this idea of conquering everything. On an unconscious level, just on a petty day-to-day -day level growing up and living, that idea of conquering everything can be unconscious, and they can play that out in relationships with power struggles in relationships and so on. But even there, 
when a double Scorpio falls in love, they really fall in love. It's complete and wholehearted, and they expect the same thing in return. They don't often get it. Sometimes they do. So this gives rise to this notion of jealousy, because Scorpios are fully committed to everything that they do in life, unless, say, their Mars or Pluto is in a mutable sign and maybe in squares oppositions and so on. But the idea of full commitment and loyalty is built into this double Scorpio emphasis. So when they don't get the same things from parents, friends, lovers, mates, it devastates them. How can you not be 110% committed to me? I'm committed to you. And once Scorpio breaks, and it takes a lot to make them break a relationship, but once they do, it's broken. It's over. It may as well be dead. They won't go back. So it's a wonderful sign because of the loyalty and the honesty. And they're, they, double Scorpio especially holds a lot in reserve. Uh, they don't necessarily, they're not as flippant with saying, I love you, as a lot of other people are. But when they say it, they mean it. And if you don't want to know the truth, for heaven's sakes, don't ask this double Scorpio, because that's exactly what you'll get. And they're meant to enter basically a few fields, any of the healthcare fields, any of them, psychology, surgery, any of that, where they are, in essence, cutting out diseased aspects in another person's body or mind in order to heal them. So any of the healthcare fields are good. Any of the, the metaphysical and spiritual fields, such as preaching, being a minister, being a psychologist, which is also a healthcare field, being a spiritual leader, going into metaphysics and uh, psychology and philosophy and astrology, those are excellent fields for them. Sometimes going into the arts, depending on if they have... Uh, an artistic element like Venus, for example, also rising in Scorpio, then they can use their artistic talents to transform not just themselves, but also the world through what they write, through what they paint, through acting and theater, music, and so on. So, But it's really a sign of how am I going to use the power that comes from being born with my soul fully committed to this physical existence, because I've got a lot of power. If they are, if they're born into a situation where they're put down, and their power is not recognized, for example, the only solution is to get away, and which they probably will, or go under. This is a sign, Scorpio, of death and rebirth. And if they are really put down as children, infants and children and young people, and their own self-worth is constantly abused or denied, they can become self-destructive. But that's the least likely because of this innate power to live, to survive, to conquer everything. So they often have very dramatic lives, which I happen to like. I have Venus and Scorpio, so I understand some of this. I could not, under God's starry sky, imagine being a double Scorpio. <laughs> but I guess I am a little bit because I have Mars right on top of the sun. That's about it. Almost like it. Okay, how about the other day I was doing a reading and somebody was a triple Libra. 
So for one thing, one clue here is that the sun and the moon obviously are close together. So this person was born near a new moon. Mm -hmm. Another little clue you can kind of take away from this is, well, we must be talking about somebody with the sun and if we bring the moon in that are located in the 12th house or the first house. But when you have all three in the same sign, how do you bring Luna into this as well? Well, it, it just like the sun and the ascendant in the same sign, one of the dangers of that is being too one-sided. Uh, we were just talking about Scorpio, for example. Sun and ascendant in Scorpio, now you have to consider the rest of the chart, but just taken alone can in turn, in fact, be incredibly selfish people. If you add the moon to that, then you have a triple emphasis on the sign. We're talking about Libra here, and that can be even more one-sided. So the challenge becomes learning in life how to how to take the other person's point of view for a minute, step outside of yourself. Now, with that triple combination in Libra, which is the sign of other people and the sign of balance, the key in life, those people with a triple, let's say, sun, moon, and ascendant in Libra, the idea of relationships becomes paramount. And they can go through life thinking, I'm a failure because I don't have the ideal relationship in marriage. And they can constantly search for that and never find it because the archetype is about balancing themselves through themselves. Those The sun and moon aren't in the seventh house. They're all in the first with the ascendant. So it can, in fact, be a pretty imbalanced position. I've known more Libra, you know, the, the books all say Libra rules marriage, and it does. I've known more single Librans than any other sign over these years. So the idea is not to balance yourself through a partnership, but to find that inner balance. And that's really the key. And it's difficult when you have the sun, the moon, and the ascendant, all three in the same sign. It can give you great strength as far as whatever that sign symbolizes. But it may be at the expense of balance in every other area of your life. So you find people who are deeply committed to, let's say, one of the arts. And they're a brilliant novelist, let's say, or a brilliant writer. But they have lousy relationships because their real focus is on their talent, their creativity. And everything and everybody else comes second to that, including things often like financial stability and so on. So in that sense, they can be very one-sided. And then the mission in life does become one of learning how to balance, being true to yourself and following your bliss with also being loving and sensitive and caring about other people because the world is made up of far more than just you. So it's, it's, it can be a, a tremendous blessing at the same time that it also can be a real liability in terms of, in this case, balance. Now, you were setting this up by saying that the sun correlates to the soul, the ascendant to the body. Where do you put the moon? Well, you know, people forget that the moon rules the mind. Everybody thinks about Mercury ruling the mind. But all the old books will also tell you that the moon rules the mind as well. The sun as the soul if you read philosophy and metaphysics, for example, the Seth books, among one in particular, there are soul families. There are groups of, of souls that are all concentrating on exploring a particular theme. In this case, it would be relationships. 
And this is generational as well. Now, the sun is in one sign for a whole month. So a group of souls that are dedicated to, say, exploring relationships will incarnate during the season of Libra. And then comes the moon, which is a particularized kind of mental outlook in relationship to that soul. So if the the moon is also in the same sign, then the mentality of that soul group will be particularized for, for two days, two and a half days, in a particular segment of the Libra soul group that is also very highly focused on Libra themes. And then if the ascendant, which is the physical body, is also for a few hours, two and a half hours a day, focused in that same Libra soul group, then you have a triple emphasis on this theme of balance and relationships. And then it becomes really critical to see what aspects the other planets make to that group, because the soul, the mind, and the body are all three focused on Libra themes. And that, again, can be incredibly one-sided in a life. But it's meant to mean something. You're meant to say, all right, I'm focused on what everything Libra means. And one of the things it does mean is other people. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Another side of Libra is the arts, creativity. Another side of it is its mentality, its incredible uh, judgmental faculty. So they make excellent lawyers, judges, and politicians if if they're honest with themselves and so on. But then you look to the rest of the chart to see what aspects that sun-moon-ascendant combination have trines and sextiles to it. In those areas, they will be successful and harmonious. Squares and oppositions to it, they're going to have conflicts that, that are meant to motivate them. So a, a Saturn squirrel, that, for example, Saturn will either be in Cancer or Capricorn. And either way, Saturn forces them to incorporate the sign elements of Saturn's position into that Libra stelium. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. That's fascinating. So, That's really cool. So if you're a triple Saturn and you have, let's say, Saturn in Cancer, you know that one of the karmic issues you have brought over is a lack of emotional sensitivity to other people, and you'll pay the price in this life to start, and you're meant to, to learn. So ideally, from that Saturn, Cancer, Square, all those Libra planets, you will learn to be caring and nurturing of other people the same way you're caring and nurturing for yourself. Because if you don't, if you remain selfishly focused on yourself and putting other people secondary and not caring for other people, that's what you're going to get in relationships, and they won't work in your life because of that factor. Because you've got Saturn and Cancer being an emotional block for the caring, nurturing, parental kinds of aspects. Same thing if you have Saturn and Capricorn squaring that Libra stelium. Then you have misused the notion of ambition in a past life. And you will very likely be highly ambitious and status conscious in this life as a triple Libra. And you may make the mistake of thinking, all right, what indicates success is a million-dollar condo and a Mercedes. And that's not it. That's material. 
But that's maybe what you'll go for. And you will always have conflicts because all you do is go through life thinking, well, he's got more than I've got. And you're constantly comparing yourself and putting yourself down, really, and very status conscious, when in fact you're meant as Saturn in Capricorn to develop the Libra traits as, for example, a consultant, a professional, a fine artist, uh, a, a fine consultant in science and so on to bring all of your Libra talents to a high level of professional attainment. The, the material, whatever, will follow that. If you really are interested in having the Mercedes and having the big condo, you'll get it if you're true to yourself and develop those Libra traits in a constructive way. But if you're superficial, then you're going to be drawn to the trophy husband or the trophy wife just like you're drawn to these external symbols of supposed success. And then when those don't work, you feel like a failure. Okay, you hit on the moon and you mentioned cancer connecting to our emotions. And I know for those of us and folks listening who are really sensitive to the sign changes of the moon, connect the moon with emotions. I connect it with intuition which to me packages kind of a higher self part of the moon within us. Do you agree? Absolutely. Absolutely. The moon is intuitions. But really, I think uh, and, and, and intuitions are meant to be paid attention to. Sometimes if the moon is in square to planets like the sun and so on, the intuitions can work against you. Uh, but most of the time, intuitions are based on something very real that's not particularly rational or logical, but they're true. But it's really this aspect of caring and nurturing that is meant, if that's the natural, I have the moon in Aries. I am not by nature a typical nurturer or carer. Uh, it really is not a sign because it's a very selfish and self-interested sign by nature. Now, I do care about people very much. I care about their intellects. This is Aries. I care. Are they smart? Do they think? Are they driven? Are they ambitious? Are they acting in their own best self-interest? That I care about and that I nurture. But sensitive to other people's feelings, not by nature. I'm not. I have learned to be through pain and suffering but and, and it's true, I have Saturn in Cancer also in my seventh house, and so I've learned to be, uh, mainly through astrology, because if I had never found astrology when I did at 2021, I would not be aware of this in myself. But it's true. And, and so professionally, I care very much about people and am trying to nurture people when I give readings, for example, and trying to steer them back to their own power. Well, that's what this wonderful gift of astrology is really all about, isn't it? So much great information in this episode. Thank you, Robert. If you'd like to talk to Robert about your own life, like he was just mentioning right there, it's in the show notes, a direct link. We also have our moon calendar. We're going to be featuring that quite a bit on the Fun Astrology Podcast. We'd love to have you join us there as well. We have a whole community here around astrology. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time on the Old Soul, New Soul Astrology Podcast with Robert Glasscock. Mm -hmm.